welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified, episode number eight, retirement risk number three, the risk of being too conservative. So thanks again for joining me today. Excited to continue on our uh, retirement risk series. Uh, So far, we have covered the uh, sequence of return risk, which again talks about why having a retirement projection is not really a plan and uh, you need to be able to adapt as the portfolio goes up or down. Longevity risk we've covered. So, you know, why you probably aren't planning for as long as you need to and how technology is going to only increase probably exponentially the life expectancy. So we need to be planning for that. And today we're talking about the risk of, again, being too conservative, which is also sometimes referred to as asset allocation risk. So just to clarify on asset allocation, that's how you've allocated your different investments. So if you have a pool of investments, you know, different asset classes might be stocks or bonds or cash or real estate, just as some examples. So we want to make sure we're allocating your assets in a way that are going to help you enjoy a successful retirement. So diving right in, some of the the common common advice around retirees and how they should allocate their investment portfolios is, you know, you should have guaranteed type investments or really low risk investments, income paying stocks or bonds or securities. And I also have, you know, a lot of clients or potential clients and they talk to me you know, they talk about stocks and and they say, Joe, look, I know stocks or maybe some other growth type of assets. I know in the long term, they're always going to work out, but I don't have a long time horizon. I I need to retire now or I'm going to retire in a couple of years. So I don't have much time. So the first thing that I would say to that is, you know, if you're just retiring today and say you're 60, 65 years old, well, let's talk about, you know, going back to longevity risk. I mean, you easily could have 30, 40, even 50 years. So who knows, even maybe more by the time you get all the way through retirement. If you're not in agreement on that, you know, you could go back to our, our last podcast episode and, and again, listen to longevity risk. But the idea is that, yeah, you need a bit of your portfolio in the short term. So the income that you're going to create from your portfolio, but the majority of it, it's going to be invested for a long period of time going forward. And you want to get that working for you because it needs to carry you through all those years. So if you think about it, you know, you've been saving and investing for retirement for, you know, 30, 40 years, and now you're not going to be working anymore. So you need that portfolio to provide that income for your next 30, 40 or 50 years or whatever it is. So give that some consideration when you're thinking about time horizon, you know, you can break your investments into pieces or buckets, which we'll talk about in a minute. And yeah, you want to make sure you've protected some of your, your capital, your principal, and you're creating income, but you do need to get growth. And so if we do a little bit of a history lesson on allocations for, for retirement, you know, if we go back, you know, 50, 60 years ago, bonds were just the, uh, you know, the go-to investment for retirement. You know, you used to get your bond certificate and you clip off the coupons, which would be your interest. And that would be your, 
your retirement income for the month or the, you know, for the year, however it was uh, set up for you, depending on the bond. And that was okay during a, a low inflationary period and shorter life expectancies back in the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s compared to today. And then in the 70s, we saw some, you know, hyperinflation and we saw some tough times for uh, trying to keep up with the cost of living. We got through a bear market, I guess, in the in the early seventies, and and from then onwards, you know, to keep ahead of inflation, people started investing more in say dividend paying stocks. For you know, through the seventies, especially through the eighties and the nineties, you know, there's a lot a lot of pretty large bull markets, meaning stocks did really well. Those dividends compounded, and it was really hard to lose with that strategy of having those dividend paying stocks. But with you know the dot com crash, nine eleven, the global financial crisis in two thousand eight. You know, it is obvious that we not only need to think about growing our portfolios, but we also need to consider how we protect income. And so 2008 really brought the focus back into those, you know, safer investments and how we can't be invested too aggressively uh, heading into or into retirement because we might lose everything in in the next financial crisis. So realistically, though, we want to have some kind of combination of uh, of different types of investments that are going to help you ensure you're able to create an income, even if stock markets are down, for example, if that's what you're investing in, but also make sure you have something, some of your portfolio invested in a way that's going to continue to grow. It's going to outpace inflation or the cost of living as it increases, and it's going to support a, a longer lifespan. And so the simplest way to look at this is uh, you think about your money or your investments in buckets. And so I'll just clarify ahead of time, I mean, this is not investment advice. And every investor is going to have a different risk tolerance, uh, different goals, basically just a different situation. So this is you know a very high level way to think of things, but it does give you a framework. So if we think of your investments in buckets, we can separate into specifically two buckets. So one, I you know generally refer to it as your defense bucket, and and the other is your offense bucket. All right, and so your defense bucket is going to be relatively low risk investments, potentially some cash, some no risk investments in there. And that's the piece of your portfolio that, again, when people talk to me about not thinking they have a long time horizon, well, that's the piece that we do want to protect. And that's the piece where you're going to get your income from, despite what's going on with more risky type investments. Typically speaking, again, this is going to be based on everyone's personal situation. But if we look at a 2008, for example, the global financial crisis, you know, stocks crashed, as everybody knows, but they eventually did come back. And it took roughly five years, depending on what market we're looking at. So we'll call it roughly five years for stocks to recover back to their previous levels or valuations. And so when we're looking at protecting capital or protecting your investments to create an income, you know, we want to make sure that we're we're protecting enough of your portfolio that you can be taking income or withdrawals from your portfolio without having to sell a, a more risky asset when it's down. Okay, so we know that assets like stocks are going to go up and down. You know, history has shown us that markets work, and as long as businesses are able to continue to innovate, come up with better ideas or better ways of doing things in general. The economy and the stock market will grow, uh, but we don't know short term what's going to happen. So we do want to have that defense bucket that's set aside. So again, it's going to be safer investments. And for example, these aren't the only options, but for example, you might have, say, a year 
worth of, of income, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, depending on your risk tolerance in cash. So no matter what happens in any other investment, you know that you can get your hands on cash if you need to go buy groceries or pay for gas or pay for heat and hydro, all that kind of stuff. And then the rest of that defense bucket could be made up of something like uh, low risk bonds, as an example. And at the minimum, what we're probably looking to do here is between that cash and those bonds is figure out what you're taking out of your portfolio over the next five years and make sure we have at least five years of income protected in those lower risk investments. So this is your defense bucket. That's what it's made out of. And so what that does is if there's something like stocks in your growth bucket and they're down, it gives you five years in that scenario. And it could be higher. You can have more than five years, but this is an example. You could take income out of that defense bucket for five years without ever being forced to touch your growth bucket if it's down. So you have that time for it to recover before you need to touch it. Okay. And so again, your defense bucket, just think of it. It could also be called an income bucket because that's where you take your withdrawals from. That's what everyone is worried about when they get to retirement, when they're worried about not having enough time to own something like stocks. Now, the offense bucket, that's the piece that's there to make sure you can stay ahead of inflation to help make sure that your money continues to work for you, continues to allow you to maintain your lifestyle well into retirement. Because again, we don't know how long you're going to live. You know, if we knew exactly what inflation was going to be, know, you know, how much money do you need to get in your overall bucket of uh, investments and we could throw it in cash and, and you just take it out as needed and, you know, you run out of money on the day you die. But unfortunately, we don't know that. So we need to get growth. So the, that offense bucket or growth bucket, can have a number of different types of investments, but for uh, for the purposes of this, you know, keep keep it simple. That could be a diversified so portfolio, diversified portfolio of global stocks would be ideal. So it's owning many different companies across many different geographic regions to try to limit risk wherever possible, but help you participate in again the growth of all the uh, the largest companies around the world, and that's what's going to keep you ahead of inflation probably better than any other so-called inflation hedge. It's going to, again, just keep your money working for you as long as you're in retirement. And so there's a couple of ways how we could, we could handle this. We figure out how much you want to have in your defense bucket and how much you want to have in your offense bucket. As you're taking income, you can be taking that out of your defense bucket. So you're never being forced to take, you know, take losses on your, your growth bucket. But then each year we can look at replenishing. So if we want to have a certain amount of money in cash in years where stocks have done really well, those would be years where we would replenish the defense bucket, starting with replenishing the cash from your stocks or your growth bucket, whatever assets that you have in there. So we'd be locking in some of those gains while they're doing really well. And the flip side of that is when stocks or your growth bucket, whatever you have in there, are not doing well and you don't want to be selling low. Well, that's where we can just continue to take your income out of that defense bucket we can move money from bonds into cash if uh, if that's how you're set up. But we don't have to touch your growth bucket. We don't have to sell while things are low. Whenever stocks or, again, whatever's in your growth bucket do recover, well, at that point, then we can replenish your defense bucket. Now, to add on to that, kind of a caveat, something that could help you with uh, a quicker recovery. So if we see a 2008, for example, and your, your offense bucket or growth bucket does have stocks and your defense bucket does have cash and bonds, well, once the market's crashed, we could do what we call a rebalance, where that's we get you back to the optimal percentages of 
the amount in your defense bucket and the amount in your offense bucket. And we could take some from your defense bucket and actually put it into your offense bucket. It gets you back to the optimal proportions of uh, offense bucket and defense bucket. And what it's doing is you're also buying more units. So if it's stocks in your offense bucket, you're buying more units or shares of stocks while they're priced low. So that when the market does recover, you're getting more growth than you would have got if you just let your stocks sit there and, uh, and recover at their own pace. So shifting investments from stocks to bonds or bonds to stocks, for example, we call that rebalancing. So that is an important part of optimizing your portfolio returns. And again, helping you make sure you're maximizing your retirement investments to make sure you don't outlive them. So getting back to the risk of being too conservative, it really comes from having too much allocated to that defense bucket or worse, having everything allocated to that defense bucket. So again, I've talked about this. The problem is if we have too much in that defense bucket, you're not going to grow enough to outpace inflation and provide income. So what's going to be happening is simultaneously, you're going to be losing purchasing power as the cost of living rises. So as we see inflation. So for example, a dollar today will not buy you as much tomorrow because of inflation, the cost of everything goes up. So if you have all of your investments really conservative and the cost of living is increasing quicker than the return that you're getting on your investments, you're losing, you're losing purchasing power, which is the same as you know, losing having your portfolio go down. Additionally, you still need to create income. So you're still taking money out of your portfolio. So not only are you not keeping up with the cost of living increases, but you're taking money out of your principal or out of your capital. So you're seeing your portfolio go down through withdrawals. And so this combination, really what it means is that it's inevitable that there's going to be an end date for your portfolio when we combine that longevity risk and you're going to have a real risk of running out of money, right? So we don't know how long you're going to live. And if we're guaranteeing your portfolio is consistently going down because you're taking out more money than you're, you're earning, plus the cost of living is going up, so you actually need more money, uh, it's only a matter of time until you run out. Now, some of you may be fortunate enough that you've been able to save enough and you have it set aside that you could get through 50 years of, of inflation and, and no returns, just knowing that your portfolio is not going to go down. But for most investors, almost all investors I talk to, I mean, the amount of money that they have saved in their portfolio now, there's a correlation to what they're going to need into retirement. So they're going to need to get some growth. We're not going to be able to just sit it all in a pile of cash and, and just withdraw as needed. So as I've said at the start of this series, you know, we're going to follow up with episodes that talk about you know, how do we mitigate some of these risks. But for this specific risk, uh, I will talk about one strategy for asset allocation in retirement. It's called a, a rising equity glide path. And so just kind of a, a high level on that is, is actually very counterintuitive to what media and you know most different investment firms teach us that we should be doing for retirement. So you know, you could buy a target date fund that has a higher allocation to stocks the younger you are. And it it's a, a glide path that reduces stocks and increases that defense bucket. So bond-like assets, as you get older, as you get to retirement and, and into retirement, it continues to reduce it. And the thought behind it, which makes sense when we think about it, is that the older we get, the less risk we want to take. But the rising equity glide path is a, a strategy that is very counterintuitive to everything I just said, 
but it actually works much better when we, when we look at the data. And so what that is saying is that there's a, a risk zone in the five years roughly leading up to retirement, which is retirement date risk. So meaning that if a big crash in your investments happens within five years of retirement, you may have to push back your retirement date until that portfolio can recover. So again, you have enough money to meet all your goals in retirement. And then as you retire, that risk, you know, the first five to 10 years then turns into sequence of returns risk, which I talked about in, you know, episode one of the series. So what that means, again, is just a quick recap is if markets are down early on in your retirement and you're taking money out of your portfolio, you might be draining the portfolio too quickly if you don't adjust or have a strategy. And so therefore, you might run out of money too quickly. So what the writhing equity glide path talks about is as you get to five years within retirement, it's actually reducing your stocks at that point and you're increasing your bond. So Michael Kitsis refers to it as a bond tent. So basically what happens is as you approach retirement, you're increasing your bonds. So we're looking at this at a chart and we're following the percentage of bonds in your portfolio. So thinking of it again as the defense bucket, we're starting to increase the amount of bonds five years ahead of retirement. And then once we get into retirement, we keep, we, you know, we start with that higher allocation to your defense bucket or your bonds. But then through the first five to 10 years of retirement, we then start reducing the bonds again. And we actually start increasing the size of your, your growth bucket or your, your offense bucket until we get back up to a, a much higher allocation to equities or offense bucket. And the whole idea behind this is the, the big risk, again, for retirement date risk leading up to retirement and sequence of return risk in the early years of retirement is that we just, you know, markets are bad at the wrong time. But if you can mitigate the risks through that period of leading up to retirement and early on into retirement, at that point, you've probably, you know, if markets were really bad, you were conservative enough that you made it through. And chances are that, you know, well, if markets have been bad, they'll probably be good going forward or for at least for a period. So if you start to uh, increase your equity allocation, so again, you increase your offense bucket allocation then you're going to be there for those returns. You're going to get higher returns. And the flip side of that is if we get high returns in stocks or your, your offense bucket early into retirement, even though you're more conservative, you've probably still built up enough that you're in a good position moving forward to get back to the, the normalized long-term portfolio we want to have set up. So again, very counterintuitive because the, the regular target date type of uh, allocations for retirement, just have a continuous glide path where we're decreasing stocks and increasing bonds. And this research shows us is that we'd have actually a higher success rate with larger portfolios left over by decreasing the risk heading into retirement and starting to increase it again once we get back into retirement. And the older we get, actually, the higher we can start to add to our stocks. So again, every situation is different. And I don't want to uh, this to come across as specific advice for you, but it's something to think about, something to learn a little bit more about. And if you want to read more about that, I will have a link in the show notes to the uh, Michael Kitsis article. So you'll be able to find that in there and you can read a little bit more about it. He's got a lot of detail that, and, and a lot of numbers and evidence behind it. So just to summarize kind of what we've talked about today with the, you know, the risk of being too conservative or asset allocation risk is that 
safe assets like bonds and GICs or cash, you know, are traditionally viewed as ideal for retirees, especially since 2008, when people are worried about the next global financial crisis. But the only guarantee if you have all those investments in your portfolio is that you're going to spend down your nest egg and lose your purchasing power, eventually running out of money in most cases. So most people need to have a portion of their portfolio growing continuously in order to ensure they don't outlive their money. But yeah, we do want to make sure we have some safe investments to protect your capital for when you're taking those short-term income payments or withdrawals from your portfolio. So hopefully you found that helpful today. Thank you for joining me again on this episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you've enjoyed the show, as always, feel free to share this with someone near in retirement who may be able to benefit from the information. It's also a big help to us to reach more people and help more people with their retirement planning. If you leave us a a review and a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts. And until then, I hope all is well. Stay safe and be sure to join us on the next episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified when we dive into retirement risk number four. Take care, everyone. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc., ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.